Hey folks, welcome to episode 22 of the City of Champions podcast. My name is Edgar, your co-host, and I'm joined by my co-host Eugene to talk about the Lakers, the Dodgers, the sticky stuff, trades, all of it. We're going to talk about it today, but let's get started with the, uh, the Dodgers. Gene, let's, uh, you know, give me your thoughts on the Dodgers the past few weeks. I know we haven't been on the pod as much uh, recently, but what are your, you know, thoughts on them these past few series, the Pirates, the Phillies, the Rangers? How are you feeling about the team now? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so we talked about on the last pod uh, when we covered the the sweep of the Pirates, we, we talked about how these were series that we needed to win, right? We really were hoping, at least I was hoping, I mean, ideally you'd love like sweep, 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 right? Going from the Pirates to the Rangers to the Phillies and then even the Diamondbacks as we, because we talked about the end of June, we have, I believe, San Diego, Chicago, San Francisco to end the month. And we talked about how those were three big series, especially, I know you've touched on like we haven't played anyone who is high level competition, right? And so when you get these weaker opponents, um, these are the games you need to win. These are the games where you want the bats to come to life. These are the games you want guys to start getting hot and whatnot. Um, We took two of three, both against the Rangers and the Phillies. Um, I would have liked a sweep. You know, we didn't quite get there, Um, but that's okay. I mean, as long as you're winning the series, right, four of six, that's, you know, that's better than losing the series. Obviously, a sweep is like the best case scenario, but I'll take the series win. Um, a little bit annoying to, to beat the Rangers 12-1, then lose 12-1. That was, um, I think that talks a little bit to like the kind of the inconsistency sometimes of our lineup. Um, and, you know, tough loss yesterday against the Phillies. We dropped that one 2-0. I think it's like the first shutout. I think they said since like September 2019, something crazy. We haven't been shut out. And that's really impressive. Um, you know, some Roger lineup, Roberts lineup decisions, I think that kind of caused the offense to stall there but overall man you gotta be you gotta be feeling good man we've won uh that's now three series in a row and uh getting ready for the diamondbacks uh starting tomorrow three game series and we got the uh the padres who we love to play yes sir the padres big series coming up diamondbacks we need to sweep no matter what happens they're terrible and they let us down against the giants these past few days so screw them extra this episode <laughs> on top of how much I already, you know, hate them. But yeah, you know, the team is looking a lot better. Definitely turned uh, uh, on the bad times of the of earlier in the season. It's good that we've gotten some consistency for more than just one week before when we thought we turned a corner, they would go and they'd get hot for maybe five, six games and then go cold again. So this is a real first time where we we have we actually have some legs from under us and we can really uh, go into full stride. Happy to see that. Disappointed that we didn't give Kershaw the run support he deserves yesterday after pitching a pretty decent game. I know he struggled early on in the third inning. He made over 30 pitches and allowed a couple runs, 
but outside of that, you know, nine strikeouts, no runs allowed um, for the uh, rest of the game. Should have gotten the W. We should have given, given him the run support. Um, we can't be wasting those kinds of opportunities, those kinds of appearances, because, you know, there will be games when he doesn't only allow two runs. And this is low-hanging fruit. This is this is the kind of game we need to win. So just disappointed. Again, shut out for the first time since 2019. It just can't happen. Again, maybe I'm being too too picky or something because we've been so accustomed to winning, but I really hold the Dodgers to that standard, and I think they should win those games. On the flip side, we are 47 or 41 and 27. We're not far off the best record in baseball, which is crazy to believe, especially with the thi- you know the way things went. Yeah. So that's you know definitely a, a positive that comes out of all that. Um, but you know let's let's look at the more interesting story that's sort of happening in baseball now that we've got some injuries. Um, things are definitely developing. It's starting to seem like a you know more interesting and I guess increasing in level of um, seriousness type of issue, and that's the sticky stuff. Gene, you know, we've talked about it, but, you know, give me your thoughts on baseball's newest rule, how they're going to crack down on it. Let me know what you think about Tyler Glass now, who went down with an injury. I believe it was a torn UCL. Not sure if they're going to go for surgery or if they're going to let it rehab. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. He is someone who has already had Tommy John surgery. Um. So definitely an interesting case. And what's more interesting was the the press conference uh, after. But, you know, I'll, I'll let you speak to that, Gene. Uh, so let me know your thoughts. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that baseball's come out with the rule, like in the middle of the season, um, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, when Because I feel like this all gained momentum when, like, that report leaked or came out. I believe it was during the off season, or maybe it was like at the end of last season, because the baseball seasons were so weird this this past year. I can't remember when that report came out. If it was like October, September, but the whole report came out that um, I believe it was like the Angels Clubhouse. Someone in the Angels Clubhouse was talking about how everyone's using some type of sticky stuff substance. And from baseball players, from pitchers, it it's kind of like everyone's kind of said like, yeah, everyone uses something, right? It's like it's widely known. It's kind of part of the baseball culture. And so my thing is like, why all of a sudden come out with a rule against it? Well, not even come out with the rule, but like all of a sudden create, I guess, rules for how you're going to enforce it, enforce the rule. Like why, why does that happen all of a sudden? And I kind of hear Tyler Glasnow's point in, in, at least in regards to at least give us time to adjust and change the way we do things, asking us to change the way we do things out of nowhere can definitely lead to injury. Um, and you heard him kind of talk about that, like how he, I'm pretty sure he's the one that said, like, I'm gripping the hell out of the ball. Like to be able to get the, you know, because, you know, uh, I guess the sticky stuff, you know, gives you a different level of grip. And now to get that same level of grip, they have to grip the ball tighter. Um, so I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of like changing things midseason. Um, even if it's like considered cheating on like the pitcher's side. It's not like you didn't know it was happening. You know what I mean? Um, so why not just, why not, if if you already knew it was happening, why not say something about it before the season started to give pitchers a chance to adjust? 
and two or why not wait till next season um so those are kind of um, my thoughts um i like uh who was it uh was it uh, uh the pitcher from the white Sox? was carlo rondon or rondon uh when he said um <laughs> he said so you're gonna suspend pitchers uh 10 days or 10 games or whatever but you didn't suspend the astros for cheating in the playoffs so i thought that was a <laughs> <laughs> nice Got i thought em. that was i thought that was funny um and and honestly it, it's real so um i don't know man uh i don't know if you've been seeing the tweets and stuff that are are showing like a pitcher era and batting average and how like the numbers are like pitcher era is increasing and then the batting average is increasing also like once the mlb came out that they're going to start like random checks and stuff and came out with the rules uh pitcher era is starting to go up so that that'll be an interesting trend to continue to follow um and so here's my thing bro i have a question for you why do you think baseball cares all of a sudden about this like what i have my theories but i'm curious about like why do you think all of a sudden baseball cares that pitchers are using foreign substance when they've known they've known all along why all of a sudden are they going to like really go in on it and enforce it why do you think that is that's that's an interesting question um i mean there's two ways to look at it right there's the pr sort of perspective where when there's bad press you come out you own up to it and then you do something to change that behavior right never do you want to see someone deflect never do you want to see someone place blame on others and so in looking at what major league baseball is doing is i think they're doing just that they're taking a page from the uh, pr playbook and saying hey we're gonna acknowledge that it's happening we're not gonna run away with it we're not gonna delay it like we did with uh, with steroids which i think went on for a lot longer let's say that we're going to look into it and then put some sort of mechanism to take action on that. You know, that leads me to believe that it's it's a PR, 100% PR. I don't think they generally care, but with Manfred's already terrible reputation, trying to salvage what you can of it is probably the best thing to do. Unfortunately, it was a very narrow-sighted solution to the problem. You could have been proactive without necessarily becoming the enforcer, you know, going from zero to 100, you are going to see injuries. You're going to see more injuries from players because it does change the way they have to do things. So in trying to avoid this sort of bad PR, the potential story that could have been of they condone cheating, I'm sure that's why they decided to go in the direction that they went. In either case, it's a lose-lose for them. They should have been smarter about it. So I think the PR is like one side of it, but you know, baseball is always trying to create more offense right they're always trying to create more offense because you know they want to try to tap into the next generation and they feel like they have to enhance the game in some way to make it more exciting for the next generation right that's why you saw the juiced up baseballs right and then all of a sudden everyone's hitting home runs and stuff and so i feel like they're always trying to find ways to create offense because they feel like offense is what attracts the fan base right home runs is what attracts the young kid to come and watch baseball which I, i mean i don't i mean home runs are fun but if you love baseball, you love the game, right? You, you love all aspects of the game. Like, I, you know, both of us enjoy good pitching. And I feel like baseball purists enjoy good quality pitching. So I think baseball is like trying to remove the advantage from the pitcher and give the advantage back to the hitter without juicing up the baseballs. Yeah, I thought about that too. I was going to um, talk on that a little bit. And that's probably like the second reason why they would do it. You know, they're always, they're obsessed with speed of game. Um. That's one of their obsessions. So maybe this was a way of 
and and, and hold know, up bro like speeding it up <laughs> yeah like <laughs> i feel like does it speed it up i feel like it slows it down right if offense is increasing that means pitchers are out there longer which slows the game down right whereas if pitchers have the advantage with the sticky stuff and whatnot like they're, they're mowing down lineups but then you're not getting the offense i think it's all about offense for baseball i think it's like yeah they want to speed up the game but they also they want to attract people with offense yeah yeah so either way they're stupid for doing it <laughs> for how they're doing it like Manfred needs to get fired. I've said it many times before. He doesn't deserve to be there. He never takes anything into consideration except what his analytics say and how that's going to impact their returns, right? Their revenue, their their, their profit. Um, and they don't ever think about the players. And it seems like, you know, you're seeing that with many leagues. The NBA has sort of, uh, you know, seen its increase in uh, injuries um, skyrocket. Um, it was going up before, but now it's just like skyrocketing. Guys are falling left and right. Yeah. And, you know, it's again, it's all about the mighty dollar. It's capitalism. You know, I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with it, but sometimes with greed, you do have um, second order effects. And I think we're seeing those second order effects. And in the long run, it's going to be bad for them. Uh, on one side, you know, you had the world sort of applauding Adam Silver for the way he handled the the pandemic and how everything rolled out with a bubble being such a good success. But now you're starting to see how that affected things beyond just, you know, COVID and it sucks, right? Cause at the end of the day who loses, it's the, uh, the paying customer that loses ticket prices don't go down. You know, it's us who enjoy an inferior product. People keep going to games. They keep getting their money. So again, it's the customer that loses, uh, loses out on that. Um, and baseball's no different. They're doing things for profit to speed up the entertaining aspect of the game or to increase the entertaining aspect of the game and it's backfiring on them. And now, like we've been seeing before, we're going to keep you know continue to see uh, elbow injuries, back injuries, and shoulder injuries when it comes to pitching. Um, but, you know, enough to say on that. Let's instead switch over to the Lakers to uh, talk trades, what's realistic, what's unrealistic. We touched on it previously just for a little bit. We're going to go more in depth on that. But first, we're going to take a break. All right, City of Champion podcast listeners, it's time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers. And we're in the offseason, and the offseason is a great time to do what a lot of us love, and that's to dream up different scenarios of what the roster will look like next year. And so for the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing a little bit of that. Uh, today, we'll be talking about some trades, looking at a couple of different trade candidates out there, some names that have been tossed around on Twitter, who the Lakers should target, some rumors and whatnot that have been floated around, um, some dream scenarios, some more realistic scenarios. And then, you know, in the following weeks, we'll take some time to look at the free agent market, look at some possible wings, bigs, and guards that the Lakers can target to fill out their roster. Um, you know, even though they don't have too much salary, um, cap space there, there's still some moves they can make so let's start off with our our first trade target so uh edgar i'm gonna go first all right and then i'll let you you, you could take the next one so i'm gonna start us off with um just like a, a a role player a role player i feel that can come in and and give us some some of what we need which is shooting um and also not take too much away from defense so my first uh if I was Rob Palinka, and I want to make just some moves on the fringes, moves on the fringes, 
um, bring in a wing. Wings are very difficult to come across. Um, I would target Robert Covington from the Portland Trailblazers. Pretty sure Robert Covington is owed $14 million this upcoming season. Let me double check. $13 million. Um, owed about $13 million, and he is on an expiring contract. So if people are asking, well, why would the Blazers trade Robert Covington? Um, he's on an expiring contract. So, um, you know, maybe they don't want to pay him in the upcoming seasons. They don't want to have to match his, you know, whatever he's going to demand. Uh, they also have to look at retaining uh, Norman Powell. I believe they also have Nurkic coming off the books pretty soon. So they're going to probably have to retain him. And so I would trade for Robert Covington. Um, he's a 36% career three-point shooter. Uh, looking at uh, B-Ball Index, shout out to B-Ball Index. He's 36% catch and shoot, a little bit lower on pull-up, 33%. So pretty consistent three-point shooter in that regards. His numbers are, you know, so 36% is pretty like what he is. And so, um, but looking also at B-Ball Index, uh, his defensive impact is pretty significant. So just to give you a reference, um, I think our, our the, the, the player on the Lakers roster this year with the greatest defensive impact was Mark Gasol at 2.7. This is, uh, they, they run a stat called LeBron. So this is D LeBron. So it just looks at his overall impact on defense. So Mark Gasol is at 2.7. Caruso is at 2.6. Uh, Covington would be a 2.59. So basically a 2.6 impact player on defense. Offense, he'd be a negative 1.1. But, you know, just to give you some, you know, some reference and some understanding. Uh, KCP is a negative 1.4. Gasol is a negative 1.2. Kuzma is a negative 1.5. So uh, offensive impact, uh, not as easy to be in, in the positive. Um, so, yeah, so I target Robert Covington and I'd offer uh, Kyle Kuzma. Um, I think uh, I think Portland could probably have more use for Kuzma um, just in the sense of just his ability to play make and stuff and do a little bit more than just like catch and shoot like Covington does. But also um, he's under the, he's under contract, not just this upcoming season, but the next season. I think he has a player option on the third year. And so it gives him someone that's cost controlled for a couple seasons. I like the shooting that he provides. I like his defense. And then and it, so I think about like when we get into playoffs, we know even though I'd love AD to slot into the five now, like for the regular season coming up, we know he's not going to do that. But we know in the playoffs, AD will slot down into the five. LeBron will slot down into the four. So that leaves that three wing position open. And we need someone with size that can defend multiple positions and also shoot. Kuzma would be great to slot in there, but he hasn't shown the ability to be consistent enough to, to take on that role. So I think Covington kind of answers that question, answers that call, and could definitely be slot in there. So my first trade idea is Kuzma. Maybe throw it. I wouldn't throw a first round pick in there. I would not pay that much for Covington. I throw some second round picks in if they wanted. Um, what do you got? My trade idea is a little bit more ambitious, but I think this guy makes up for a lot of our deficiencies that the Lakers have. Primarily playmaking, right? We've struggled with that. We don't have a guy that can create his own shot outside of the. Uh, Usual suspects, generally not great at free throws. You know, we, we're missing that third piece to really make us a dangerous team. And so my guy is Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers. He shoots 38 from three career, lots of attempts. So that's how you know he's a high volume three-point shooter and he isn't just getting lucky once or twice a game. He can actually put him down. He's averaging 21 points per game. He's a great free throw shooter against something we've always lacked. We can't have LeBron or AD taking 
technical foul free throws. AD is a great shooter and he's not terrible at the free throw line, but he's just not that guy. There should be a guy that we can give the ball to in the final minute who we know will make free throws if he's fouled, right? We need that guy and that's what Brockton would uh, would bring to the team. Kobe used to do that for us, so we never really thought about that, right? Who's going to yeah. be the guy to step up in the final minute and make free throws? So the next thing to look at would be the the financials, right? And his salary is not terrible. He's only got two years left on his contract. He's making 21.7 to be uh, exact. Um, Indiana does have a lot of... uh, a lot of money in the books. So they'll want to shed some of that by getting rid of some guys and really position themselves for a rebuild with Sabonis, right? That's a guy that you can really start to build around. I don't think Brogdon is in their plans for their long-term vision. I think LeVert is, but Brogdon's a guy they're, they're going to want to look to to move, right? And so next thing you look at is, well, 21.7 million, what on our team matches up to that? And then you automatically look at KCP's 13 and Kuzma's 13, right? That adds up to 26, which is absolutely doable. But maybe, you know, the Pacers want to want some salary relief, right? That's what we talked about. They don't necessarily want to take on more salary. So sending them both Kuzma and KCP wouldn't be the smartest idea to shed salary. So what else can work, right? So we've got the 2.6 that belonged to, to Marcus All, and we've got the, uh, you know, 13 to Kuzma or KCP. Why not package Kuzma and Gasol and try to do straight up for Brockton, maybe giving giving them the first round pick, right? That relieves them of, uh, you know, five, six million dollars. That would give both teams something of what they want. Kuzma's contract isn't terrible. He's still a young guy you can build around or at least have some sort of future around. So he's got value in that sense. And then you've got Gasol, right? A smart uh, center who can back up Sabonis. Uh, they might want to look into moving uh, Miles Turner as well. So Brigham and Gasol could make sense. So I think it's something that the Lakers should look into. I think it's realistic. I think the salaries are close enough to where we can make it match up without uh, going over the tax. So that that would be my my proposal to Pelinka to to look into that. So I like that idea, bro. I like that trade idea. I'm a real big fan of Malcolm Brogdon. Um, as you mentioned, a huge playmaker. Uh, he's a big guard too. He's about six five. Can defend once one through three. Um, does bring us that playmaking. Um, looking at his offense, LeBron, he's a 1.8. Um, and for perspective, Kuzma's a negative 1.5. KCP's a negative 1.4. Gasol's a negative 1.2. So he'd be a huge boost offensively. Defense, there is a drop-off. He's a negative 0.5. Um, Kuzma's a 1 on defense like as, regard, as far as value. But wins added, just overall wins added, he's a 4.6. And um, Kuzma's a 1. KCP's 2.3, so on and so forth. So I think he would be an upgrade. Um, but, uh, and one more thing is catch and shoot. He's a 43% catch and shoot three-point shooter. So I know he's 38 for his career, which is a great number, but just when it comes to just catch and shoot, which is a lot of the threes that people get playing off LeBron, he's a 43% shooter. So that's elite. That That's a, that's a great shooting percentage. So I'd love that move for Brogdon. I do think you'd, if I'm Indiana, I'd probably ask for KCP, Kuzma, and your draft pick. But if I'm the Lakers, like maybe you can package uh, Brogdon and uh, Justin Holiday, who's another pretty good shooter. So um, Brogdon, Justin Holiday for Kuzma and KCP in our first round draft pick. I make that trade. I don't know if the numbers, does the salary work with just Gasol and Kuzma? It's it's pretty close to where you could probably add. Um... McKinney's, McKinney's con yeah McKinney's contract or something and uh, make it work 
Um, so I think the rule is one hundred twenty-five percent of yeah. the total salary you're sending out. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's pretty close. It's pretty close to where we can find something to make it work out. We can move pieces to make it work out. So again, it's something that the Lakers should definitely look into. Um, I hopefully hopefully they are. But definitely. tell tell us about tell us about your second choice. Your yeah, your, your second guy. So I've been on on Twitter and and uh, today, uh, um, B-ball Endix uh, tweeted out some info on on this on this trade candidate that I have, and uh, Cran just make basketball on the Laker exceptionalism podcast uh, um, retweeted it and added some you know some content to it. Uh, but my next candidate, and you've seen rumors, man, and I heard on the Lakers Nation, uh, not Lakers Nation podcast, was it Lakers Nation? It might have been Lakers Nation podcast where they're talking about rumors. And uh, this person came up again, and I feel like his name's been floating around for quite some years with the Lakers. Uh, he's currently disgruntled and has been disgruntled with his current role and his current home team. And this is Buddy Heald. Uh, we've heard about Buddy Heald not being happy, having to come off the bench, playing for Luke Walton and whatnot. He, he's openly been frustrated about that. He's been linked to the Lakers a couple times. Uh, more recently, um, I believe it was Lakers Nation talked about how uh, the, the Kings might be looking to get off of him and, and move him. Uh, an elite shooter, man, an elite shooter. He's 40% for his career from the three-point line. And this year, he upped up his threes. I think he was shooting like 10 a game. And so he's a, a great shooter, man. And for perspective, so looking at his, so catch and shoot, he's 37% or pull up. Pull up, he's 37%. So this is a guy coming off a screen, off the dribble, and I'm shooting, right? 37%, that's above league average. And that's on a more difficult shot attempt. But you look at his catch and shoot, 43.5. So again, similar to Brogdon, when he gets that ball, and those are the type of threes, again, you get when you play with LeBron, right? And those are the kind of threes we got. You know, how much, how many tweets and data was there about the Lakers wide open threes against the Suns in the playoffs? How many wide open threes did we miss? It was ridiculous, bro. Um, we were shooting like 25% on wide open catch and shoot threes. You get a guy like like Buddy Heald, bro, like that changes the game. He's knocking those down. So uh, Buddy Heald, great shooter, great offensive player, brings some pretty good playmaking as well. Now, um, again, his offensive impact is a 1.7. Uh, just for perspective, uh, LeBron is a 3.8 on his offensive impact. So, you know, Heald is obviously below, but a pretty good offensive player. Now, here is where the trade-off is, is the defense. He's a negative 1.4 on defense. But... I firmly believe that with a good defensive coach like Frank Vogel, with good defensive uh, teammates around him, a good team defense, he can definitely improve in this area, could definitely clean up some of his defense. Um, but overall wins added, he's a 4.2. So, um, you know, uh, for perspective, Kuzma's a 1, KCP's a 2.3 as far as wins added. So Buddy Hill would definitely be an upgrade in, in certain ways. And I just think slotting him next to LeBron, man, just think about how much that would open up the offense. Um, you know, having a shooter like that to play off of LeBron and AD open up the floor. It just, it'd be elite, man. Um, so his salary, financials, his salary is $23 million, but his salary decreases, decreases each season. I believe he's like 23 and I think, it, I think it goes to like 20 or like 21 and then 19. I'd have to like pull it up to double check. But, um, so we have to move, we do have to move some pieces to be able to make the numbers work. So, um, I think you'd have to look at, uh, packaging 
uh, Kuzma and KCP. I think they both have to go in order for this trade to work. Um, and Sacramento has the cap to absorb a little bit more money. So, yeah, so Buddy Hield is owed 23 this upcoming, 22.9 this upcoming season, 21 then 19. So another benefit to trading for Buddy Hield, and maybe this is why Sacramento wants to get off this contract, is but you get him for the next three seasons. And the salary decreases each season, which I think is great. Um, and so you could package uh, KCP, you could package Kuzma, and I think it'd take the first round draft pick to get it done, honestly. And and, and his, here's the reason why. Uh, number one, the Sacramento Kings hate us and we hate them. So they're not just going to gift us Buddy Heald, right? Um, but number two, also Buddy Heald's a pretty good player. There's going to be, if he's on the trade market, there's going to be other offers for him. Um, so I think you trade Kuzma, KCP, and the first round draft pick for Buddy Heald. Now you do have a little bit of wiggle room to take on a little bit more salary. You know, they have a team option for Damian Jones. Damian Jones played for the Lakers this year. He he did pretty good. His team option's 1.9. Maybe they pick up the team option. They send us Damian Jones and you have a center, right? You have a backup quality center there. So you get, so now you have, I mean, if you want to resign Drummond, but if, you, if you're not looking at you and just bring back Gasol or whatnot, now you have, you have Gasol and Damian Jones as your centers, but Damian Jones is owed 1.9 for next season. Um, a team option. So if they pick up the option and package him with Buddy Heald, that puts that about um, you know, close to 25, like 20, 24.8, and we'd be sending out 26 in a draft pick. So I think that'd be a an interesting look for the Lakers. Um, you know, and definitely a, a look to consider. I think Buddy Heald is elite. And so I would not be opposed to trading um KCP and Kuzma and the draft pick for Buddy Heald and uh and Damian Jones. I don't know how other Lakers fans feel about that. I know that that might seem like a lot, but I think Buddy Hield is worth it. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, is that we would be losing, we would for sure be losing um, defense. Now, again, Vogel's a great defensive coach, and I do think as a team we could uh, make up for their, the the negative defense that Hield brings. But I think part of that, again, is just coaching and, and whatnot. But with losing KCP and losing Kuzma, Losing some defense there, I think that'd just be something to have to be aware of and address on the um, free agent market. What are your thoughts on that, bro? Buddy Hield. I like Hield. I like Hield. I think uh, he's a great option after Malcolm Brogdon. My concerns, like you said, is it's the Kings, right? The Kings hate us with a yeah. passion. At least the fan base does. I know uh, um, it was a very, very heated rivalry in the early 2000s, Kobe, Shaq, and... Man, it's it, it another you know another team. I thought about like making trades with that would make sense because they have a high salary. Would be the uh, the Celtics, but then I'm like, would the Celtics really want to deal with? Bro, this? I I have a I have a I have a trade with the Celtics. I don't even know that I put the per, I put the person down, but we'll save it for another podcast because I don't think it's realistic. But go <laughs> ahead, bro. No, that's what I'm saying. Like that's my concern. Like, are these guys really going to deal with us? So as much as I like healed, I think what's going to happen is. They'll offer him to us and make crazy demands, or they'll trade him to someone else. And that's because, again, because they can. Unless we yeah. give them the best package clearly, which I doubt we can do, then I just don't see it happening. Um, but you know, you never know. All right. And I and I know you got one more, one more trade scenario, a little dream scenario that you've been dreaming up, man. Take it away, bro. 
You know, it's it's not a dream scenario. It is on paper. <laughs> it, it does look uh, pretty damn good on paper. Um, but I think it's realistic. I think it's realistic depending on what the Wizards decide to do. We've seen what happened uh, over the last few days. They did fire their – they didn't fire. They parted ways with their manager, Bro, they Scotty, let him go. Scotty Brooks. I know, but, you know, that the, the, the politically correct terms are – they went different ways. Um, but yeah, so he's gone, which means that they have interest in either winning now and they're trying to bring in a coach that can do that for them or they're going to go into full rebuild mode. It's hard to say what they're going to choose to do. They're still on the fringe as far as being a playoff team and they are in the East, which means it's not that high of a bar and they still can't get over it. So my thoughts is start over. With your young core, trade away your big names, you know Westbrook and Beal, and then uh, do that. So, for those who haven't uh, figured it out yet, it is Bradley Beal that is my man, the guy that I hope comes to the Lakers. He's a beast. He's a guy that can take over a game. He's a guy that can certainly create his own shot. He's an All Star, one of the best players in the NBA. He can get it done on both fronts. He's a tough player. He will. Go back out there if he can. He's not one of those guys that's gonna, um, you know, manage load like a like a Kawhi or a PG. He's not that kind of a player. He's actually he he seems like a winner. He hasn't been a winner because he's with the Wizards, but he seems like a winner based on his attitude. As far as the salaries, right? Because that's where everyone that's the first thing every everyone brings up. Yeah, you can't do that. We're over the cap. Is it even possible? That kind of thing. So he's going to be making thirty four point five million next year. Two years remaining on his contract. Um, the Wizards right now are twenty under the tax, but over by four million in cap space. So they definitely have to let someone go. They have to shed some salary. Uh, my again thinking is what I just explained. They're going to try to do a full rebuild. So what on the Lakers matches up to the Wizards thirty four point five million? ask for Bradley Beal, right? And straight off the top, you've got KCP, Caldwell, and Marcus Saw, whose salary adds up to a total of, what is you it? Mean K- you, mean, you mean KCP and Kuzma? Yeah, KCP, Kuzma, and Gasol. Their uh, salary adds up to 28.6 in total. So 28.6 to 34.5 by Bradley Beal. Right there in itself is doable. Um, you can go 125% over the uh, trade difference when it's over uh, 19 million, I believe. So you can go over 125% of your output. So we're outputting 28.6, 125% of that is how much we can bring back in. I believe that's somewhere around like 35.5 or something, which matches up with Bradley Beal's salary, which straight off the top again, makes it realistic, right? But it begs the question, do the Wizards even want that? That's another part of the problem is what can we give to the Wizards that not only matches up in salary, but also they'd want in return for a guy like Bradley Beal. Um, we can also send him a first round pick. We can, uh, you know, if if Harold did decide to, you know, pick up his option and stay with the Lakers, that would definitely give us a lot of flexibility in, in that sense. We can package him and send him over to the Wizards. Um, and perhaps, you know, flip a KCP for a couple first 
round picks or maybe a first and second round pick, a team like the Knicks is someone that'll want to bring in an experienced veteran with championship experience to surround all those young guys that they have. So KCP would fit perfectly in New York. His salary isn't that high and they've got a ton of picks to um, deal with two first round pick. They've got, oh man, they've got four 2021 uh, picks, two first round, two second round. So maybe we could flip it for some of those and then package KCP, Kuzma, and a Harrell, and a Gasol for for Bradley Beal. So those are some young picks and expiring contracts going their way, so that might be enough to entice them. Um, I don't know. I think the Lakers should definitely explore anything they can to see if they can get a guy like Bradley Beal, because that puts us over the top. I mean, if Washington makes him available, everyone's going to be knocking on the door, and everyone's going to be calling, right? So that that's without a doubt. Um, but I, I think you so I think a couple things would have to happen. Like one, Bradley Beal would have to demand a trade, right? Two, so one, Bradley Beal would have to demand a trade. Two, wash and he'd have to say, like, I want to go to the Lakers, right? The the big thing is he'd have to like play his cards, right? And he'd have to like get leverage. And leverage comes with him saying, like, one, I want to be traded. And then two, I want to be traded to the Lakers and I'm not picking up because he has a player option after this season. So I'm not picking up an option no matter where else you guys trade me. Now that eliminates people from taking like from throwing away because essentially you'd be throwing away assets, right? Because unless be you a can rental. keep them, unless you can keep them. So, but, but what I'm saying is if he comes out kind of like AD did, right? Anthony Davis came out and said, I am not going to resign an extension with anyone. I want to go to the Lakers, right? So that gave us all the leverage to negotiate and it eliminated a bunch of like uh, potential suitors. And so if Bradley Beal came out like that, then it gives us a shot. It gives us a chance. Um, and then then from there, then the next hurdle would be getting the assets, right? Because, you know, they still have the, the right, you know, to ask for their price and sit on it until, you know, the Lakers can meet their demands. Um, I think if Harold opted in, if Harold did, if Harold did pick up his player option, I think that gives us a way better trade package with Harold, KCP, Kuzma, who are three solid veteran players, uh, still fairly young players who could probably go in there and and complement the team right away, um, you know, around Russell Westbrook. But I'd wonder if they'd blow it up if if Beal won it out if they tried to trade Westbrook also. But um, but if if like let's say Harold doesn't opt in and we have to find a way to get them draft picks, then on Palinka the the, the challenge is going to be working with Washington to find a way for how they can flip Kuzma, where they can flip Kuzma and KCP to get picks um, instead of like taking on those players. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone has to play ball, like, right. So I think the Knicks is a great point. I think the Knicks is a great place. I think Oklahoma city is another great place to have a ton of draft picks. Um, So uh, also new Orleans has a ton of draft picks. So you look at these teams who are stacking draft picks and you see if they can be a trade partner with you. Um, but I think another thing, um, I, I, I think another, so if this is, to me, this is a dream scenario just cause I don't think we have the package. Like if I was the GM of the Washington wizards, like the Lakers don't have what I'm looking for. I'm looking at a team like Atlanta. I'm looking at a team like Oklahoma city. I'm looking at a team like the New Orleans Pelicans, like young talent plus draft picks is what I want. Um, I'm looking at like Minnesota. And so I'm just saying that there's a ton of teams that could put together better packages than the Lakers can. So the only way this the only way this works is um, 
is Bradley Beal saying he'd want to come to the Lakers. Now, what I think increases the likelihood of the trade is the deadline, the the trade deadline for the season, because at that point you can um, you might have other players under contract who would more in, like interest in, interest Washington more. Maybe you bring back Dennis Schroeder. Maybe um, Harold does pick up his player option. You know, so there's other you know. I think you you have more pieces to move, more options. You know, maybe you bring back THT and you can throw him in there, right? So I think right now in the summer, the way our roster is constructed, just because we don't have that many assets, I think that makes it a challenge. But you never know. But um, just some some numbers on Bradley Beal, uh, catch and shoot three point shooter. He's a forty percent catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, his offensive uh, impact is four point two. For perspective, LeBron's is a three point eight. So Beal has a greater offensive impact than LeBron. Wins added, Bradley Beal, 7.2. LeBron James, 7.3. So you just see the kind of player you'd be getting, right? Dude is an elite talent. Um, so call Rob Polinka up, man. Make it work. I'm telling you, man, I, I'm hopeful that they can uh, do something with it. I definitely think uh, we have enough uh, tax space to re-sign all the guys that uh, are free agents this year, a Caruso, a THT. So I definitely think that'll happen. I you know, think that with the trade exception, um, we can make a Bradley Beal, Malcolm Brogdon realistic. Uh, I think you can get one or the other. Reali- you can't get no, both. Not both. Not both. I'm saying one or the other realistic either would be great because he would provide us with that offensive firepower that we're really struggling and missing. And we've missed with, the guy like KCP and Kyle Kuzma. Um, so I'm hopeful they explore it, man. I'm hopeful. I'm, I think we can put a, an attractive enough package. Again, if we re-sign Caruso and we re-sign THT, that's, those are attractive pieces, right? Yeah, for the deadline. So, yeah, and you know, as far as Bradley Beal, why wouldn't you want to come to LA? You know, you've been struggling with the Wizards for years Things are going nowhere. You want to win a championship, right? As a star player, you want to win a championship. And I think coming to a place like LA where, you know, LeBron's career is sort of winding down, where AD is going to become the man, but is also injured a lot. So, hey, it gives Bradley Beal the opportunity to come in and really make a huge impact on this team. Um. And he could become a champion within a year or two. Why wouldn't you want that? You're going to get paid regardless, right? Because you're going to uh, explore free agency. And uh, would we be able to give him the max, max contract if we uh, traded traded for him this year? Yeah. So as long as we traded for him. Um, and I, So it would be similar to AD, um, how we were able to offer him. Because we'd have his rights. Right. We give him the max then. So we can offer him. I don't know if he has 10 years of service. Um, I believe the for the to be eligible for the super max, you have to have ten years of service. But so, but I mean, I'm saying the the max for um, for uh, what he's worth now as a player. Yeah, the, the extra so, year, I believe it's the extra year, right? Yeah, well, that's the um, the the super max allows you to yeah. So he was drafted in 2012. He, so at the end of next, next season, year. he'd yeah. be 10 years of service. So I'm pretty sure, don't don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's 10 years of service. You're eligible for the Supermax. And he made an all-NBA team this season. I think you'd have to make it again next season to be eligible for like that super, super fat contract that a lot of players have signed. Um, 
So I'm not 100% sure though, so don't quote me on that. But we would be able to, we'd have his rights. So we'd be able, like similar to like Schroeder, right? When you have a player's rights, you're able to offer them more so that you can keep them. Right, right, right. So yeah, why not, right? If you're Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm <laughs> sure you are, um, come to the Lakers, man. This is your opportunity to be a champion on a top team. We don't just win championships, we make history. If you look back at what people talk about, they talk about the Showtime Lakers, Kobe and Shaq. They're not talking about the 2005 Pistons. They're not talking about the 99 Knicks, I think the that was the year, or the 94, 93 Rockets. They don't talk about those teams, man. Talk about the Lakers. You get all the money you want and more with sponsorships. You win a championship. Come on, what is more attractive than that? Gene, what is more attractive than that? Man, I I, I don't know. That was a great uh that was a great sales pitch to Bradley Bill. I think you got him. I think you sold him on that. Um I, I will say this though. If Palinka can find a way to get us a legit, a legit third star like Bradley Bill, a young player, only 27, gonna be 28 by the next season, the time next season starts, to pair with Anthony Davis moving forward. Shit, man, we be set. We be set, man. And 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 so we're gonna end on that note, bro. Great, great sales pitch to Bradley Beal. I know he's a listener of the pod, a longtime listener, longtime follower. So I, I'm I'm sure he's gonna hear what you said, bro. And you know, we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna speak it into existence, man. Next season, Bradley Beal to the Lakers. Um, but uh, thank you to all of you all for listening and rocking with us. Uh, we appreciate the support. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at underscore City of Champs. Make sure you check out the website for the newest merch at city uh, or www.cityofchips.com. Uh, make sure that you guys are also subscribing to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Pod. And if you're on Apple Pod, leave us a five-star review. We appreciate the support, y'all. Peace. Peace.